Hello everyone, this is Clayton Criswell again um, in my debate with Mr. Martin. I'd like to thank Mr. Martin again for having me. Um, pray for him every day. This is our rebuttal round of Thy Grace Alone versus Roman Catholicism or Grace Alone versus Faith and Works, however you want to put it. If you notice, the one point that was never emphasized by Mr. Martin was my position as Grace Alone. I said prior in my opening statement that it's not by faith alone, nor faith in works, but simply and extraordinarily by the grace of God alone. First point, faith is because of grace, not the other way around. Grace is not for those who have faith. Faith is from those who have grace. Again, grace is the unmerited favor from Christ Jesus. Again, salvation is not to be achieved, but an action we receive from Christ Jesus as a gift. You don't earn a gift. Romans 11, 1-8 says, I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means, for I myself am, am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets, they have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed to the knee of Baal. So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it's by grace, it is no longer on the base of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. Did God give grace to the 7,000 men because they didn't bow the knee to a false god? Or were they chosen and equipped not to do so because of God's grace? As we see, they were chosen by the grace of God, not graciously chosen by God based on what they did, or even more extraordinarily, what they didn't do. God has already chosen who he wants to be in communion with for eternity. And this is even confirmed by verse 8, revealing that it is God himself that gives that spirit of stupor, blindness of eyes, and deaf ears to those he created to have hardened hearts towards him and his people, those he chose for wrath. Why? God is not subject to doing anything other than what God wants to do. We are the ones subject to a standard of morality. On the same token, God gives us our faith, as said in Jude 1 3. Again, Jesus even said in John 10 24 through 30, and I quote So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense if you are the Christ? Tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. 
My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So where does Paul Martin's claim of initial justification and final perseverance fit here? It doesn't. As pointed out in my opening, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. You cannot lose the Holy Spirit, neither can you achieve the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is God. You go claim to achieve God. Those who receive him eternally receive him based on his divine, unconditional election. It literally cannot be stressed enough that there is no true, unconditional love from God unless he loves people without a condition. He loved Jacob and hated Esau before each of them were even born, before each of them did anything good or bad. With that being said, if salvation was based on the human and was based on them having faith and works, then the human would indeed have something to boast about. Even if the individual in that scenario did not boast about what they did to earn God's grace, that would not cancel out the fact that they would have something to boast about if they wanted to boast about it. The fact is, as Scripture points out clearly, we do not have anything to boast about because not one individual has ever earned the grace that comes from God to receive salvation. The comparative scenario my opponent gave about the petroleum in the car would only be a sufficient comparison if the human could actually earn their salvation from God, which is why it's an irrelevant comparison. It's a comparison based on the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church, not what Scripture actually says. Although Mr. Martin claimed correctly that Roman Catholicism acknowledges predestination, he still insinuates that because we have been saved, or excuse me, he insinuated that because we have been saved, that that was it. Um, but he never clarified that those who have been saved are also being saved. And will be saved. And this is because the Roman Catholic Church asserts that one can receive the Holy Spirit and lose it multiple times before being assured that they have been saved, which is not true, as I pointed out in my opening. To address the working out your salvation with fear and trembling. I could say scripturally that since salvation is on the basis of faith, meaning that it's by faith that we know we are saved, since the last day has not come yet to reveal our faith to be true. Because you wouldn't have faith in receiving salvation if you've already received salvation. Anyone who claims to have faith that they have been saved, if having the true faith of endurance from God alone, then that individual will be submissive to the word of God alone and endure the world that has no salvation in it, other than the sanctification of it by Christ, which has not happened yet.
Um, God is the one who places his fear or places the fear of him in us for us to follow his statutes. And he does this because he loves us. And he does not do this for everybody. And he does not do this because we have done something to earn it. It doesn't happen that way. Does Christ have faith in his chosen people? No. If he did, all the people who will be saved are saved according to what they did. Hence, something to boast about. But that's clear contradict. That's a clear contradiction to the unconditional election I have already pointed out in my opening. God is faithful to his chosen, however, not in his chosen. He's faithful to do what he is eternally purposed for his chosen through himself being Jesus Christ. Mr. Martin mentioned about us reigning with Christ. However, he never clarified that this reign is not right now. I'm not given any authority to eradicate sins from the face of this earth. Not at this present moment. In uh, Revelation 19, it says those who partake in the first resurrection are those who will reign with Christ for 1,000 years. This has not happened yet, folks. When Christ said that all authority has been given to him on heaven and earth, again, God has always had authority on heaven and earth. God is Christ. Christ is the one who saved the Israelites out of Egypt, according to Jude. He knew exactly who God is. So, unless you can prove that that earthly rule is happening right now as of the great white throne ruling, thousand year reign of Christ, if you can prove that, which you won't be able to, um, yeah, we do not presently reign with Christ. That happens later. That happens after we are made holy and blameless by his blood. As he promised. Baptismal regeneration, again, is not water baptism. The true understanding of Noah's Ark is not water baptism. Noah's Ark represented Christ himself, and the flood represented and was caused by the wrath of God himself. Noah's Ark only had one door. Christ is that one door to salvation. When we are baptized into death with the Spirit of Christ sealed upon us, we will rise again unto eternal life as he promised. Remember, this event happens on the last day. Water baptism is only for those who believe they are saved, along with the Lord's Supper, 
they are not sacraments to receive the Holy Spirit or to receive God's grace upon us. These sacraments are for people who acknowledge that they have already receiving, receiving, have already received grace and the Holy Spirit. There are clear warnings against people partaking in the Lord's Supper that are not supposed to. If it was truly true that sacraments can confer um, the Lord's grace upon you, then everybody could be partakers of the Lord's Supper and have a have a say in their salvation I guess you can put it because it's so foreign to what scripture actually says anyway the James 2 argument is a go to for Roman Catholicism but it does not prove their theology at all they always use verses 14 through 26 but, but let's look at the first 13 verses in the very same chapter and hopefully you'll see a huge point that was missed. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, Sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, You stand over here, sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judge with become judges with evil thoughts? You know, and that kind of goes back to uh, reigning with Christ, how that's not going on right now. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith? and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you in the court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So it's not the sins that we commit, it's the fact that we're sinners. You don't sin, or excuse me, you're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you're a sinner. That's what the law is all about, to reveal your sin, to reveal my sin. And if it does that for you, then more times than not, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then that's a very good thing to see that you failed according to the law. 
because he didn't. Nor is he really subject to it anyway. And to continue the passage, excuse me. So speak and so act, act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What did I say in my opening? Those who are saved by Christ are not judged by what they have done. Period. Christ stands in our place and takes that judgment. And he did so. So is faith and works the conclusion here, as Mr. Martin claimed? Absolutely not. Verse 5 confirms that it's those who are chosen to be rich in faith and heirs to the promise. So again, those who are rich in faith, that's only given by God to all his chosen, will act upon their faith. So again, salvation is not by faith alone, as freely from a human, and is also not by human faith and works. It's by God's grace alone. Because faith and the good works we have from our faith are all gifts of grace. They're not requirements to receive grace, as the Roman Catholic Church teaches. Mr. Martin mentioned several people who were mentioned in Hebrews 11 to have obeyed the Lord with their faith and showed it through their works, but no clarification that they were all sinners. Abraham committed adultery, Rahab was a prostitute, and Noah was a drunkard. With this being said, we have already seen that all these people are born with a sinful nature. Yet they were predestined to be vessels of God's mercy used for an honorable purpose. Which again goes back to Romans 9, 6-24. Also read Romans 8, 19-34. And you'll see what I mean about our sinful nature. Faith is a gift from God, yet again, Philippians 1, 29. And therefore their works are considered good, and we're prepared for them to walk in them by God himself. We literally do none of the work. That's the key to understanding the true grace of God. Anything these people did was the result of the grace they had been given, not because they earned his grace through that. Grace is indeed unmerited and impossible to earn. I touched on this in the opening, but repentance is a gift from God, although Roman Catholicism teaches something far different. Here's a couple of quotes, or here's a quote from Pope Pius the Twelfth in nineteen forty seven. The priest is the same, Jesus Christ, whose sacred person his minister represents. Now the minister, by reason of the sacerdotal consecration which he has received, is made like to the high priest, and possesses the power of performing actions in virtue of Christ's very person. If you don't see what's wrong with that, I mean whew. Wherefore, in his priestly activity, he in a certain manner lends his tongue and gives his hand to Christ. Like Christ needs any help from any of them, just like any of us. 
So the only reason why a Roman Catholic is authorized to give penance or confess sins to a priest is because through their sacerdotal consecration, the priest is the representative of Christ on earth to that individual. So according to them, and not me, it's okay to confess your sins to someone other than Jesus himself because that priest is claiming to be in Christ's place, receiving even some of the same sinners as Jesus himself already has received. Jesus bore all sins for all of his people. So in essence, the Catholic Church is refuting that Christ died for all sins of each person he saves, which again leads to purgatory. There is no purgatory. All the people Christ chose to save before the foundation of the world, all their sins are forgiven. And all the ones whose sins are forgiven repent of those sins because they are granted that repentance. And they have no other person to confess to other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is always alive to make intercession for his people. And it says it several times in scripture, 1 Samuel 2.25, Isaiah 53.12, Isaiah 59.16, Jeremiah 7.16, Romans 8.26-34, and Hebrews 7.25. Although, according to the Catholic Encyclopedia, Christ is not the intercessor, he's only the mediator. And I quote, it would be better, however, to restrict the word mediation to the action of Christ and the word intercession to the action of the Blessed Virgin, the angels, and the saints. Again, I would love to see my opponent somehow prove that every saint is not every saved individual by the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't believe that. If you're saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, you're a saint, period. Because we cannot intercede in place of Christ. We are to intercede with them, but only to lead them to Christ for their song profession. So, for instance, when I go and talk to somebody about Christ and lead them to Christ... I'm not interceding for them. They're not praying to me or confessing to me. They're confessing to Christ. I'm not the intercessor. I'm only the one that brings the message. You know, I'm not the one making atonement for people's sins here. The term Antichrist in the Greek means in place of Christ, not simply against Christ. Matthew 18.18 18 contradicts the notion that one, only Peter was given the keys, and two, that it was for supreme rulership to forgive people's sins that Christ already paid for. It was for access to the message of the gospel which is all the work of the Lord through those that give the proper gospel message.
when Christ told Peter before he ascended to feed his lambs and feed his sheep. Why did he not tell him to feed everyone? Because even though Peter and everyone else, and even myself, even though we give the message of the gospel to all people, only Christ's sheep, who were chosen before the foundation of the world will be truly fed and truly receive the message. This is why people really should look into not only Roman Catholicism, but all false religion. And, and I pray that you come to the same reality that I did, that the closer my enemy was, the more gratifying it is. Because I know, even more than I did when I was five years old, that Jesus Christ is God, and He really did exist, and He truly exists today. And He is coming back. God bless.